Parshas Akev, One Nation in the World. If you have the time, it would be worthwhile to take a good look inside the Chumash at a very important Pasuk. It's in Akev, at the beginning of Chamishi, Kapitul Yud, Pasuk Yud Dalet. It's worth studying the words there because it's one of the most important declarations in the entire Kisve Kodesh. Not only study them, we should never forget the words we're going to read now. We should keep them in our minds always and preach them to our children. Hain, behold. Hain la Hashem elokecha. Hashemaim ushmei Hashemaim. To Hashem belong the heavens and the heavens above the heavens. It means that all of space belongs to Hashem. Do you know what space is? If you would get into a rocket ship that shoots out into the sky at the speed of light, at 186,000 miles per second, you would be a very old man before you reach some of the distant stars that we can still see. You'll get married, and your children will get married, and your grandchildren will get married. And if you live long enough, you'll see great, great, great grandchildren on that rocket ship. And you'd still be traveling. And that's just a dust speck of the Shamaim Ushmea Shamaim that belongs to Hashem. You didn't even begin yet. Space is way out. You have no idea. There's no end to it. There are many millions of worlds, a hundred million or more. And that's only one galaxy. Our galaxy is only like a drop of light in infinity. There are as many galaxies as there are drops in the Pacific Ocean. More than that. And it all belongs to Hashem. La Hashem elokecha. Hashamayim ushmei Hashamayim. Hashem owns the heavens and he owns the heavens above the heavens. Haaretz v'chol hasherba. The whole world and everything in it belongs to him. Now pay attention to the next Pasuk because we're going to find out now what it is that matters most to the one who owns all of space. Rak ba'avotecha chashak Hashem. Only in our forefathers did Hashem delight. La'ahava osam, to love them. It means that the one who owns it all is not interested in anything except for your forefathers. Hashem's interest is rak, only in our others. The sun is nothing to Hashem. The millions of stars are nothing to Hashem. The billions of space miles are nothing to Hashem. Only in our forefathers does he have an interest to love them. And in case you might think, well, that's all bygone. It says, in your forefathers. Oh no, don't say that. And he chose their children after them. You, Bachem means you, Mikol Amim, from all the nations, Bayom Hazeh, as this day. It's a thunderous declaration from the mouth of Hashem that he loves the Am Yisrael more than anyone or anything in the universe. Bachem Kayom Hazeh means you, forever and ever, whenever these words will be read by Zarim Acharehem, by your children after you. They should know that it's only in them that Hashem delights. 
Which children? Not only the Rambam and Rashi and the Gedoyle Hadoyres. No. Every kosher observant Jew, if you're loyal to his Torah, then HaKadosh Baruch Hu says to you, all of space is mine. All the billions of star worlds belong to me. But I chose only your fathers and you after them. It means men and women and boys and girls. Each one of them is more important than the entire creation. HaKadosh Baruch Hu loves Chaim and David and Beryl and Yerucham and Alazar. He's thinking only about Yenta and Chana and Pelta and Chava. So Mr. Greenberg, Hashem loves you more than he loves all of space. Mr. Katz, Mr. Rubin, Mr. Friedman, Mr. Shama, and everybody else. You're all that Hashem is interested in. Each one of you, Hashem says, is more beloved to me than all of space. Now the truth is that we didn't have to wait for Parshas Akev to see that we are it. Because actually it's the theme of the entire Torah, of all of the Kisvei HaKodesh. The principle of the greatness of a Jew in the eyes of Hashem is the paramount theme of the Torah. I say paramount theme. Of course, the first theme of the Torah is Yud Kei Vav Kei, Hashem. But as a corollary to Hashem, the Am Hashem is the main theme in the Torah. Now, if you want to know what a person is interested in, you listen to his conversation. Listen to what he talks about. Let's say you're going out with a young lady and you want to know what she's interested in. So if she talks about home and the family and the ideal of making a beautiful atmosphere of base hamigdash in her house, oh, that's what she's thinking about. That's the one I'm looking for. If she's talking about the good times that she had in the past and the fun she's looking forward to, traveling and experiencing various kinds of entertainment and pleasure, then you know where her heart is. From her words, you can know. Now, what is the Torah? When we look into the Torah, we're listening to Hashem talking. We hear what He's thinking. It's the book of Hashem's Machshavas. It's important. That's the mind. That's the way He thinks. Now, we don't know how He thinks. It's impossible to understand how He thinks. But as far as we're concerned, when Hashem talks in the Torah, He is showing us what He thinks. It's Divrei Elohim Chaim, the word of the living God. It's the conversation of Hashem. So we take a look in the Torah. And what is it there that he talks about? If we look at the Torah with even superficial attention, we're going to discover the most important of all things in the world is the Jewish nation. It's remarkable. Hashem is talking and talking. And it's only about the Am Yisroel. Everything in the Torah deals only with that subject. Just open the Chumash. Does the Chumash say, V'yedaber Hashem el Patrick Lamor? Or V'yedaber Hashem el Murphy Lamor? No. Hashem only speaks to the Am Yisrael. He doesn't speak to anybody but the Zera of Rahm. The entire Chumash, the entire Nevi'im, the entire Kesuvim are only the Am Yisrael. He speaks only about Avraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov. And from then on, until the end of the entire Kisvei HaKodesh, that's all he talks about. And that itself is the most convincing demonstration that this is what's most conspicuous in Hashem's mind. From the beginning of the Torah, everyone else is barely mentioned or entirely ignored. 
Nothing is spoken about the history of the great empires that existed. You know, at the time when our forefathers were experiencing the stories that are related in the Torah, there existed big empires already. There were tremendous cities with mighty monarchs and palaces and governments. There were a lot of things doing in the world, things worth talking about if a historian would want to inscribe them in his books. And yet, they didn't have the Zechia to be mentioned in the Torah. They're not even pale figures in the background. There was a great empire of Sumer at the time of the Avas, and they come in for no mention at all. We don't hear about them, only about the Am Yisrael. Nothing is told about the Irish people, or about the Nornsmen, or about the Teutonics, the wars of the Romans, and the Egyptians, and the Persians. All that doesn't exist. Now you might say, well, of course, it's a Jewish book, so naturally it talks about Yisroel. That's what some people think. They have the idea that it's the same as if we look in the Polish books, Lahavdil. It would talk about the Polish people. And in the Scandinavian books, they talk about the Norse and the Swedish and the Finns. So in the Jewish book, it talks about the Jews. Oh no, the Torah is not a history of the Jewish people. That's a big error. If you think that way, you don't understand what the Torah is about at all. Our book is not a national book. It's not a Jewish book. It's Hashem's book. Our book is the book. It's the book of all of creation, of Hashemayim u'shmei Hashemayim, of Haaretz v'chol asher ba. And this book, the book of everything, deals only with Hashem's people, not only from Avraham Avinu. It begins from Breshis Bara Elokim, when we were children and we learned in Rashi, Breshis Bishvil Yisroel, that the world was created for the sake of Yisroel, who are called Reshis. We felt it was doctrine, and so we accepted what Rashi says. But it was only because of our loyalty to the Torah that we forced ourselves to believe that. The world was created for Yisroel. It seems to be wrenching it a little too far out of context. Yes, Yisroel came along later, and they were chosen, but we're only one of the nations. We're only a little sliver of mankind. But Rashi is telling us that from the beginning, we were the interest of Hashem. And he's not saying it in his own name either. He's quoting from the sages. Bracious, because of Yisrael, who are called Reishis, Bara Elohim. That's why Hashem made the world. And that's the story of the entire Torah. HaKadosh Baruch Hu proclaims that his interest is only in the people of Yisrael. Everything to him besides Yisrael is only like scenery behind the main actor. There are other people on the stage, but they are only brought there because of the main character. Hain goyim kamar midli. All the nations are like a drop on the bottom of the bucket. Yeshaya. When you draw water from the well, so underneath that bucket, there are a few drops of soiled water. Are those drops important? No. We're interested in the bucket full of water. Those little drops of soiled water, dirty water that are hanging on the bottom underneath the bucket. That's all the nations of the world. They're considered by him like zero and nothing. Now that might seem like a puzzle to many people. Like Ephes, Vitohu, big nations that fill the world are nothing. What does that mean? 
HaKadosh Baruch has given us the key to this in our Pasuk. Hein la Hashem elokecha. Hashamayim ushmei Hashamayim. Hashem owns the heavens and he owns the heavens above the heavens. Ha'aretz v'chol asher ba. The whole world and everything in it belongs to Hashem. Rak ba'avotecha chashak Hashem. Only in our forefathers did Hashem delight. Le'ahava osam. To love them. That's the key. That very important statement tells us that our Kaddish Baruch Hu is not impressed by magnitude. He's not impressed by tonnage or by numbers. Only in your forefathers and their children. That's what I'm interested in. Compared to Hashem's love for the Am Yisrael, all the nations are disregarded, Kamar Midli, like the extra drops of water. And Hashem says, Mika Amcha Yisrael, Goy Echad Ba'aret. Rabbi Salanter taught an important principle regarding the way this world is conducted by HaKadosh Baruch Hu. He said like this, For every great truth, there is a proportionate opposition. The Yetzir Hara exerts itself intensely against any good thing, and the more important the truth is, the bigger its opposition. It's intentional. It's part of Hashem's plan in this world to make virtue difficult. It doesn't mean that the obstacle is insurmountable. But there always is an attempt to block a good thing, to prevent it. Let's start out with the truth of Hashem as the creator of the world. In the beginning, there was nothing, and He made everything. Everything we see is only the will of Hashem. That's the very beginning of the Torah. It's the most important of all truths. Now, because this truth is the foundation of all foundations, it is being combated today on the greatest possible scale. Huge institutions all over the world are battling against the idea of a creator. All the colleges, all the high schools, and all of the elementary schools are open enemies of belief in a body. Even the countries that pay lip service to some kind of religion have been taken over today by academicians and huge institutions of publicity like the press, newspapers, magazines, libraries, radio, television. Everybody today is one huge chorus. Ain Elohim kol mizimotav. All of their plans are to deny the fact that there's a boyde. Even the Supreme Court today has joined in this great chorus and declared that it's illegal in American public schools to teach about a boyde. A creator is against the Constitution. And mark my words, on our coins it says, in God we trust, but it will be removed one day. They want to get rid of God completely. In the Israeli army, somebody sent a certain notification about certain army business. And up in the corner, it said in little letters, Bet Samech Dalid. There was a big protest, and the army apologized. It was an error. We'll make sure that it won't happen again. No Siyatadishmaya in the Israeli army. They don't need Hashem. They do it by themselves. All over the world, the opposition is tremendous because Hashem is the first of all principles. Now we should understand right away that the principle that comes on the heels of the first one, the great theme of Oyhev Amo Yisrael, will also be under attack from the Yetzirah. If a central theme of the entire Torah is that only you, Hashem, has desired to love, 
then all the forces of evil unite in one great army to fight against it. That's why the Yetzir Hara has mustered all the forces of literature, all the governments, all the academia, all the media, and devoted them to the purpose of combating the truth of the Torah. Since the world began, there hasn't been a literature of animosity that comes close to the prolific literature of anti-Semitism. More has been said and written against the Jewish people than against any other people in the world. In case you think that's an exaggerated statement, we'll look at what is the most holy book of Christendom. After all, that's the book that they consider their source of divine instruction. I hope that you won't have the Zechir to read the New Testament, but I can tell you what's there. That book is one of the biggest anti-Semitic textbooks in the world. Of course, I understand that today it's not polite to speak about this, and therefore I won't dwell on the subject of what the popes and the bishops wrote about us. But it's written black on white. You can't overlook it. And it has had its intended effect. It was in every Gentile's mother's milk. That's what he was raised with. But don't think it started with Christianity. Long before that, the Yetzir Hara was at work. There's a book called Contra Appian, written by Flavius Josephus. And he speaks about the accusations that the Greeks brought up against our nation. He quotes from Tacitus and other Greek writers who spat venom upon our people in their books. They wrote such foolish shakarim that we laugh when we read their accusations. But in the minds of the Gentiles, the writings of the Greek historians are all true, and the seeds of hatred were sown forever. That's why the literature of medieval Europe, and even after medieval times, was full of condemnations for the Jews. Voltaire spoke the worst words against the Jews. Jean-Jacques Rousseau accused Jews in vile terms. Even as late as the Dreyfus Affair, France was flooded with literature of anti-Semitism. For a long time, the newspapers, the magazines, and the books in France were full of vituperations against Jews. And England was no better. The Yetzir Hara flooded the English people with a torrent of anti-Semitism. Anyone who reads the famous works of Charles Dickens knows that Fagin is the symbol of a criminal. Of course, you understand that Fagin is Fagenbaum, a Jew. So who is this Jew that all of England is being introduced to? Fagin trains little Gentile boys to crawl through windows and steal for him. Of course, that's the Jew, a Gunov. In one of the first editions of that book, there is even a drawing of the Jew Fagin. He has a beard, payas, and a long capoita, and he's sitting in Newcastle prison after being sentenced to death for corrupting Gentile boys. That's the reader's impression of a Jew, a real from Jew. It means that generations and generations of Gentiles have grown up reading that a Jew is a corrupter of society. Shakespeare, too. He wrote many plays, but only once did he mention a Jew. It's Shylock in The Merchant of Venice. Anybody who knows anything about Shakespeare knows Shylock is a symbol of a wicked usurer. Shylock comes on the stage, a big beard and a long black coat. He looks like an old rabbi, and he's depicted there in the very worst terms. If the Gentile won't pay up the debt, then Shylock the Jew demands a pound of Gentile flesh.
today in America. It's the style, Baruch Hashem, not to speak against Jews. Of course, it's still there. You open up the New York Times and you see the headlines. Homeless man attacked by Hasidic mob in Williamsburg. A homeless man, a bum with a razor blade, was in an elevator and he gashed a Jew's face and took away his wallet. Now, when this innocent homeless man ran away, so the Williamsburg Jews are not fools, they couldn't appeal to the police. The police wouldn't do anything. So they ran after him and they called for help. Chaps him! Catch him! All of a sudden, all the windows and doors of the apartment buildings open up and there are Hasidim pouring out from everywhere into the streets. So they caught him and gave him the Chapsim treatment. They gave him a good treatment and he had to go to the hospital after that. So how did the good friends of the Jewish people report it in the New York Times? Headline, homeless man attacked by Hasidic mob. A homeless man walking in the street with no place to go. An innocent man walking in the street, probably just looking to do a good deed. And the Hasidim rushed out of their houses and attacked the poor fellow and sent him to the hospital. That's always how it is for the anti-Semites. When Jews defend themselves, it's called a riot. Now that is a phenomenon that's worth paying attention to. Why against the Jews? There was nobody else to hate in the ancient world. After all, There were truly wicked nations. There were Indians in India that used to have human sacrifices. In Central America also, the tribes sacrificed children to their gods so that the crops would grow better. The Chinese used to kill baby girls down to 1910. All over the world was wickedness going on, and yet nobody was faced with the literature that went out in such a huge torrent of vituperation. There's nothing near the tremendous outpouring of writing against the Am Yisrael. Now, why should that be? And the answer is, this great principle that whenever something good is in the world, the Yetzir Hara proportionally tries to oppose it, to belittle the Am Yisrael, that's the most important achievement that the Yetzir Hara could accomplish. It's not an accident. The Yetzir Hara wants to cause the Jew to be portrayed in the very worst way. And so, when you pass down the street and somebody says, Dirty Jew! You have to know... Why is Dafka, you who's dirty? He doesn't say dirty African or dirty Chinese or dirty Puerto Rican. No, it's always the Jews who are the dirty ones. And that's because the Jews are the cleanest, the most perfect, the most loved by HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Because we're the chosen ones. That's why the Yetzir Hara tries his best. That's why all the nations of the world have been harnessed in the biggest campaign of defamation against the Am Yisrael. It's a planned phenomenon, and the purpose is to take out of the minds of men the impression that HaKadosh Baruch Hu most wants that people should think, instead of saying, Kol Yisrael b'nei Malachim heim, all Yisrael are princes, and boni matem la'ashem elokeichem, you are children of Hashem, your God. Ahafti etchem ne'um Hashem. I love you, says Hashem. Ki am kadush atala Hashem lokecha. You are a holy people to Hashem, your God. And an endless number of such expressions, the world is trying its best to cause us to forget that. However, we're going to let go now of the nations and we'll follow the footsteps of the Yetzir Hora. The Gemara says in Masech Sukkah, a remarkable statement. Meniach umas ha'olam. 
The Yetzir Hara forsakes the nations of the world. He lets go of them. Umisgoide be Israel, And he incites the Jews. The Yetzir Hara is most active among Jews. That doesn't mean that Goim don't have Yetzir Hara. They have plenty. And he doesn't have to worry about them. They take care of themselves. They supply their own Yetzir Hara. But that's not his real success. He has a more important catch. The great success of the Yetzir Hara is if he can ruin Jewish minds. And so he gets busy with the Jewish people. He forsakes the Irish and the Italians and the Americans. And he cunningly steals his way into the minds of the Jews. The real prey of the Yetzir Hara is the Fruma. The Shaimrei Teira Umitzvus. Of course, the Yetzir Hara is behind all the skinheads. He's behind all of the white American supremacy groups. He's behind the Nazis. Yes, he's busy all the time among the Gentiles. He always was. And that's only a minor part of his efforts. His chief efforts are devoted to Yisroel. All of the anti-Semitism in the world. All of the literature of hatred and degradation that the Yetzir Hara has brought into the world is primarily intended to darken the minds of the Orthodox by combating the words of HaKadosh Baruch Hu in this week's Parsha. Only you do I love and to convince us that it's not so. Of course, the Yetzir Hara tries many things. He tries to get you to go to the movies and to look at the TV. He wants you to buy a suit and not take it to the Shatnes laboratory, or to buy food that's not 100% guaranteed kosher. He looks for all kinds of profit. Anything he can get you to do, he's happy with. He doesn't mind the extra work. To him, a few pennies on the side is also a profit. But among all of the things that the Yetzir Hara is busy with, he's most busy with the Am Yisrael, that the Am Yisrael shouldn't be aware of how beautiful the Jews are in the eyes of Hashem. There is a certain prevalent attitude of knocking the fruma, of knocking the best that our nation has to offer. We have to be aware of this and realize that there is a certain form of anti-Semitism in Jews themselves. I was once at a gathering of Rabbanim on the east side and Rabbi Eliezer Silver was speaking. At the time, he was president of the Agudas Rabbanim. He was saying as follows, Sina is anti-Semitism among Frum Jews. When Jews knock the Frum community, it's nothing but an echo of the anti-Semitism of the outside world. That's why you have today people, good people, who look up to their Rabbanim, the Gedoyim, with anti-Semitism. Even the lack of a proper respect is only an echo of the work of the Yetzir Hara. A very fine Rav who was active in spreading Yiddishkeit was recently Nifter. Once, as he walked out to speak at a dinner, a woman sitting on a balcony said to another woman, it was later repeated to me, she said, Ut kumt der Ritter. Here comes the red one. He had a red beard. That's how you talk about a rabbi of the synagogue? Here comes the red one? But that's already more mild. All kinds of poison is spoken against Rabbanim. Rav Eliezer Silver said, that there's a very big Yetzir Hara to slander against Rabbanim. Rabbanim are crooks, and they're not honest. They're out for money, out for covered, this and that. We find people who sit in the shul and ridicule the Rav. They talk about him. In every synagogue without exception, even the Rabbanim have to watch out 
that they shouldn't fall into such an error themselves. They themselves are influenced by the Yetzir Hara. And I want to tell you, he's succeeding. The Yetzir Hara is doing a good job at convincing us that we're not the best in the world. That we're not the most beautiful of all the nations in the eyes of HaKadosh Baruch Now I know that you people who are listening are not convinced yet because you've already been propagandized by the Gentiles plenty. This Torah, the Torah of Dickens, of Fagin, has seeped into our minds too. Orthodox Jews, decent Jews, come to me and say, you're whitewashing the Jewish people. Don't you know that when it comes to business, they're not so ethical. They're full of examples. They can tell you anecdotes. I listen to them, and I hear their voices, the echo of the Yetzir Hora, the echoes of all the Gentile propaganda. Because you have to realize that they are yielding to the pressure of the Yetzir Hora. And Italians are ethical. Have you dealt with Italians? And blacks are ethical. You never did business with Irish people. You don't know how ethical they are. But Jews, you're convinced, are not ethical. This from Jew is a crook. And that pious Jew is a cheater. And so on. Deal with Gentiles and find out how honest they are. You better listen to what I'm telling you tonight. You have to get rid of that prejudice that you have against from Jews. We have to work on the great principle of emulating the thoughts of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. If HaKadosh Baruch Hu is Yisrael, more than the whole universe, now how can you think differently? Hashem thinks one way, and you think something else? Now this may fall flat on your ears when you hear it the first time, so you have to hear it again and again. You have to realize there's nothing wrong with my words. There's something wrong with your mind. You have to start retraining your ideas because whatever you read until now, whatever you heard on the street, in the places of business, is all 100% the result of the Yetzir Hara. We view the world only through the eyes of the Torah. The Torah is how we think, and that's it. You know, we are accustomed, and rightfully so, to judging our deeds by the criterion of mitzvahs and averis. It is something that I am commanded to do, or is it forbidden? And therefore, in general, we are able to steer a correct path in life. Ner l'ragli devarecha. Your word, Hashem, is a lamp. For my feet, ve'or lintivati, and the light on my road. It means that the Torah shows us where to put our feet as we walk on the path of life. We shouldn't step off to the side. We shouldn't walk into a pit or make a wrong turn at a fork in the road. The Torah teaches us where to go and how to go successfully. But Torah means much more than that. It means the attitudes that Hakadosh Baruch Hu wants us to adopt. And to live with. It's the great ideal that we find in the words of Yeshayah Navi. Ubacharu ba'asher chafatzti. They should choose that which I desire. Hashem tells us what things He desires, and we are expected to choose to desire the same. Besides for doing mitzvahs and besides for avoiding wrong acts, there are certain attitudes, certain ways of thinking by which we have to conduct our lives. And even if it may not make any difference in actual practice, the thought itself is a success. And if someone is lacking in Torah attitudes, he cannot be considered successful at all.
And therefore, the Pasuk in our Parsha that we're speaking about tonight is one of the most important of Hashem's thoughts that we must get busy emulating. Rak Only in the Am Yisrael does Hashem delight forever and ever. He's chashak bahem. He's attached to them. He desires them. Le'ahava oisam. To love them. And therefore, we should get busy loving them too. You know, there is a saying. Ashena yid. Does ashena yid mean a good-looking Jew? No. Ashena yid means a from Jew. That's ashena yid. If he's a shomer mitzvah, then he's in our eyes beautiful. Because we look through the eyes of Hashem, so he looks beautiful. He smells beautiful. And if he's not a Shomer Mitzvah, he's not beautiful. He looks like a cripple. He has twisted features. His nose is a foot too long. His eyes are slanted. Something is funny with him if he's not a Frum Jew. Every decent Frum Jew looks handsome to us because he looks handsome to Hashem. You must train yourself to see him like that. Otherwise, you are far away from the way Hashem looks. The Ene Hashem and your eyes are looking in two different ways. You have to practice that. Go to Borough Park sometimes when you have a day off and stand on the corner and watch the from Jews walking in the street. And you should think, I'm here for the purpose of trying to imitate the thoughts of Hashem. You walk by a yeshiva and you see they're coming out. Little boys, young men, payas, kapoitas, beards, black hats, say Hashem is looking down at them and loving them. So I will love them too. Not only the yeshiva men, all from Jews. Bachem kayomazeh. All of you, look how charitable the Am Yisrael is. They're giving meiser, a tenth of all their income. Some give even more than that. Look how the Jews are busy raising families. They're loyal to their children. And the children are loyal to their parents. From Jews are more decent than any nation in the world. Nobody can even approach us. Do you find a lav of Yichud among Goyim? A Meshulach comes and needs to sleep in your house. So you say, well, I have to go to work in the morning. Will you get up early in the morning to go to work with me? I can't leave you in the house with my wife. Now among Gentiles, such a question would be unthinkable. It would be so unpleasant and impolite. But Jews speak openly about Yichud. They call up the rabbi and ask Shalas about Yichud. A man's wife is in the hospital, in the maternity ward. He's left with little children and his wife's sister is coming to stay with the children. He calls me up. What should he do? So I said, you have to move out of the house. Have you ever heard of such things among Gentiles? There's no such thing. Constantly, Jews are beset by such problems, and they fulfill the laws. Where the Am Kodesh, Jews deny themselves pleasures. They're hungry, they want to eat, but they can't go into this restaurant. They can't go into that restaurant. When they are out of town on business, and there are no Jewish restaurants, they don't eat. Period. Self-denial according to the Torah laws. A holy ideal. Kodesh Kodoshim. A from Jew cannot talk Lashon Hara. Very many people guard their tongues. Today, very many Jews are careful with the way they talk, not to slander any fellow man. Where do you find such things? Find me a nation that's willing to suffer for its ideals like the Am Yisrael. And mercy among Jews is the strongest compassion, even on Gentiles. 
Jews have more pity on Gentiles than Gentiles have. Don't I remember in Europe when poor Gentiles came to Jewish homes and knocked on the door and a Jew brought out for him a pair of old shoes and the Gentile was so grateful. Nobody gave him a pair of old shoes among the Gentiles. Jews gave him a cube of sugar. He was so grateful. The Jews were charitable to Gentiles too because they are Rachmanim, B'nei Rachmanim. Jews are merciful. They're compassionate. Mikam Yisrael. Goy Echad Ba'aretz. Where do you find a nation like that? Men give up pleasures and they come at night to the base medrash to learn. Night after night. It's a glorious scene among all the Jewish communities how men are studying Torah at night. It's a glorious scene that Jewish women don't go into movies. They don't look for entertainment. They find their pleasures in the homes. Jewish women don't trapeze out for entertainment. They don't mix with other people. A Jewish home is a Beis Hamikdash. You see a big mezuzah on the door. You know inside is a Beis Hamikdash. And even though the inhabitants inside don't realize it, they're humble people and they don't praise themselves. But we ourselves must learn to understand what they really are. They're Kurdish Kadoshim. The Shekhinah dwells in a Jewish home. Nothing is more beautiful than a Jewish home. Nobody can even remotely equal to Jewish people. It's a glorious civilization, a model nation. The world has to look up to us for good character, for kindliness, for chastity, for decency. We're accustomed to it. We don't appreciate what we have. But if we stop and think, we possess the summit of civilization. And therefore, we have to speak about that constantly. To ourselves, we have to speak constantly because the Yetzirah is pounding away and he's enlisting even the Orthodox in the campaign against from Jews. And therefore, we have to constantly reiterate it in our minds that HaKadosh Baruch Hu made history only for us. His sole interest in the entire universe is only the Jewish people. Wherever we are, the Shekhinah is with us and no place else in the world. The Shekhinah is not somewhere out in space. The Shekhinah is not someplace in the distant galaxy. The Shekhinah is right here where Jews are living and practicing the laws of Torah. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is together with them and is going to be together with them until finally he brings them back to Yerushalayim and rebuilds the Beis Hamikdash. And at that time, the whole world, Yakiru v'yedu, kol yoshve tevel, everybody will recognize the truth and everybody will come bent over to us and they'll admit their errors and they'll say, you had the truth always throughout history. The truth always was and always will be that to Hashem belongs the heavens and the heavens above the heavens. The whole world and everything in it belongs to Him. And yet only in our forefathers did Hashem delight to love them. And He chose their children after them from all the nations forever and ever. Have a wonderful Shabbos.